to Brewery Society Beers, episode number 17 of Brutal Battle. Sorry it's been so long since I've done one of these. I know I've been promising that I'm going to start my Hoarders Society episodes of these. And hopefully while I'm doing these, I end up getting just like Hoarders exclusive or primarily Hoarders beers in there. But sometimes it is a little bit hard to remember that stuff. But going forward, I'm going to save the emails that kind of keep that information so I should be able to nail that down, but early on I might, you know, end up accidentally throwing in some other ones that are like reserve exclusive or, you know, whatever. But uh, the first one that I'm going to have for sure I know is a hoarder's exclusive because I clearly remember being the first one that was a part of my allocations for being in the hoarder society for 2021. Now, before I get into this uh, quick topic, I'll just talk about the difference between reserve society and hoarder's society. So when I was in the Reserve Society, each year it was about $300 membership for the entire year, and that ended up including, I think, 14 beers by the end of it that I was in it. Originally, I think it started with like 11 beers, and then over the years they worked it up to 14 without increasing the membership fee for the year, which was pretty impressive. So now going up to the Hoarders, it's about $700 for the year, and you end up getting, depending on which one you sign up for, about 24 beers in the year, so it's about two beers per month, but it's not always two beers a month. It just kind of depends on when are the beers ready. Some months you get one, some months you get none, some months you get you know two, three, however much, but it comes out to about 24, at least for what I'm doing. Now, there are three different versions, which this is the same as how it was for Reserve, where you have either just the brewery beers, which are no sour included, but you do have access to purchase them in addition. The uh, brewery Teru one, which is only sour beers included, but you can still purchase uh, the regular brewery ones, or a mixture where you get a little bit of each. Now, I signed up for the brewery only one because I'm the only one who, I mean, I primarily drink the sour beers at our house, and it's harder to get Rebecca to be like, eh, I'd like this sour beer, that, this sour beer or that sour beer. So I figured I'll just, you know, cherry pick here and there, buy additional sour beers if I want those. So, uh, yeah, so that's, um, yeah, I think that's the main thing I wanted to throw out there. For the next Brewery Society Beers episode, I have a very interesting thing I do want to talk about that was available to hoarders only uh, society members, and it's really expensive and crazy, so A, I'm not doing it, and B, I just want to share the information with you guys, because I didn't know that they were doing things like this, and it's very interesting. So, a little bit of a teaser for the next one. Hopefully, I won't go too long before recording that one, but let's go ahead and jump into the very first Hoarders exclusive beer, and that is Baked on the Bayou. Now, this one is a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with cacao nibs, pecans, vanilla beans, and dulce de leche, and it is 12.8% alcohol, and it is in a 750 milliliter bottle. I believe the overwhelming majority of the society beers are, when they're exclusives, are in 750 milliliter bottles, but there have been ones that I've seen in 365 milliliter. All right, pop that open. A little bit of carbonation coming out as I popped it. I mean, as you can probably surmise, it looks like an Imperial Stout. It's just really dark. 
not much of a head sticking around on top, although I'm not surprised about that because it is uh, high in ABV. Not high in ABV for what brewery beers typically are, though. Uh, when I swirl it up, there is a decent amount of kind of carbonation hanging out in the bottom, which is weird. I guess that's maybe the glass is a tad bit dirty, and there are some nucleation points. It is interesting because as I swirl it up, I'm seeing like little flecks of things inside the that are coming from the beer that are stuck to the side of the glass. I'm assuming that would be from the pecans. I guess just like little particulate of the pecans in there. Interesting. All right, going to go in and smell it. Ooh, there is a decent booziness on the nose, and I am getting a good amount of bourbon popping through. I do definitely smell that dolce de leche, though, which, if people don't know, it's like a very milky caramel smell. Yeah, and I get, I actually think I get a little bit of those pecans. Yeah, I actually do get a little bit of pecans, and it's kind of smelling like, you know, if you smell any sort of nut, you kind of smell like that kind of, like, rich, proteiny scent, if that makes any sense, if people know what I mean. Um, so I do smell them in there. Uh, Dolce de Leche is the big thing I'm smelling, along with the bourbon, and those kind of mix together well, because a lot of times bourbon will impart kind of caramel notes onto beers. Uh, I do get the vanilla beans showing up in there, and I definitely get a chocolate from the cacao nibs. So everything that's in this is represented in the nose, thankfully. It smells very nuanced. It smells like all the, the aromas are kind of folding in together in a very nice way. Nothing's really out-competing anything else too much. It smells very smooth, and it smells very tasty, and I'm going in. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm getting everything. I mean, I really am. So the first thing I get is the cacao nibs. I get that chocolatiness, followed closely by a quick hit of the vanilla beans, and then a, a good amount of that dolce de leche, and then it is... Finishing with the pecans before going to that kind of bourbony finish, which definitely has like a, a spirit barrel note to it, because you are getting you know some perceivable alcohol. Hmm. And that pecan, like I was saying, that you get that kind of like proteiny smell from the pecan. You get the proteiny flavor and mouthfeel from the pecan in the beer too, which is interesting. It kind of makes it a little more. Serious, it kind of adds to the viscosity of the beer to a degree. Um, tasting good. Mm. So, something like this could definitely cross into the realm of being too sweet, but this is not. I feel like the bourbon and the pecans are kind of working together to keep it from being too sweet. Because with things with cacao nibs and dolce de leche, if you put a good amount in, it can get really sweet. Uh, just based off the nature of what those things are. But when you have things that are imparting more of like a bitterness, more of like an earthy note and tone, like the bourbon and the barrel, the wood from the bourbon barrel and those pecans, it is kind of toning down that sweetness that could happen with the dolce de leche and the cacao nibs. So you're getting the flavor of the chocolate and you're getting the flavor of the caramel, but you're also not having it get out of control. And this is this goes back to what I was saying about the nose, 
where all the aromas were kind of mixing together well and not out-competing one another, it's even more so like that in the actual flavor. Everything gets its turn in each sip. I taste all of it, but there is like an order. Because like I was saying, there was there was that kind of order of like the chocolate first, and then it goes to the uh, dolce de leche and the vanilla beans and then the pecans and the bourbon barrel. But it's all represented, and it all folds into each other very nicely. And this is a very nice, smooth, nuanced beer, and a great way to start my hoarder's beers. So, yeah, this one's a good one. And uh, this might be hard to beat, so we'll have to see what else comes up. So, going ahead and moving on to the second beer. But real quick before I do, I actually forgot to read the back of Baked on the Bayou, so I should definitely do that. This brew will take your taste buds a chuglin. I don't, is that a thing? I don't know. In the bayou, a chuglin? I don't know. A chuglin all down to New Orleans. Inspired by a Louisiana favorite double chocolate praline fudge cake, this barrel-aged imperial stout was crafted with cacao nibs, pecans, vanilla beans, and dolce de leche. Pour this one in your glass, sip up, and you'll be running down the backwood bear in no time. Okay, a lot of terminology I'm not familiar with, but didn't really tell you much about it. But I'm we're done with that beer now when I'm doing this because I'm doing, you know, recording one beer at a time since they're large, high ABV beers, and then we're finishing them. So that was really nice. You even get more of the pecan as it warms up and you continue to drink it. Very nice beer. And But as good as that beer was, I'm even more interested for the next one, which is called Vanilla Villain. Uh, it's a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with vanilla beans. How's that all that interesting? And it is for a particular reason, which I will... I'll, I'll get to that actually after I evaluate the beer itself. So let's go ahead. Oh, this is also a 750 milliliter bottle. Uh, oh, and real quick, Baked on the Bayou is in the, in the uh, bottle for about eight months when we're trying it. And this vanilla villain is in the bottle about six months when we're trying it right now. So we'll pour this vanilla villain, as you might be able to assume, or, or as I'm sure you do assume, it looks like an Imperial Stout. It's very, very dark. Ooh, actually, it's even darker than a Baked on a Bayou. It kind of has that kind of like motor oil look to it. And when you swirl it around, it leaves a very perceptible kind of like brown film on the uh, sides of the glass. Very interesting. Not much of any carbonation hanging out on top. A few large bubbles when I uh, swirl it up. <sighs> a lot of bourbon to this. A lot, a lot, a lot of bourbon to this one. Obviously smelling plenty of vanilla because that's what this uh, is all about. But it also folds in very well with the natural bourbon smell. It's got that bit of the actual um, spirit character of particular bourbon. It's got a nice amount of caramel to it. I'm also getting like a nice chocolatiness on the nose from the malt. And it's like a, eh, actually it's more like a milk chocolate. I was going to say it seems kind of dark chocolate, but on that second sniff, it's more of a milk chocolate and just a nice amount of vanilla in the nose. So they're, I mean, on nose-wise, they're doing it right with this uh, vanilla in here. But a, lo a lot of bourbon-y goodness on the smell. All right, going in. Ooh, there's a little bit of like a raisiny note that hits uh, immediately on that sip. So in order to kind of get past that and get some of the other stuff, I'm going to need to take a few more sips 
let my palate acclimate to that raisin note, which I was not smelling in this beer. Hmm. Definitely vanilla-y. Lots of vanilla, actually. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's very vanilla-y. There's a lot of that bourbon perception as well, though. There's a there's a alcohol heat to it, which makes sense that it's over 15% alcohol. Uh, there is that uh, like milk chocolate that's going along with it, that caramel from the bourbon. Uh, really nice. It's it, This is very much a very dessert beer. It tastes decadent. It has a very serious kind of creamy mouthfeel, which I'm assuming is happening because of the vanilla, because with my experience, a lot of times when you're putting vanilla in beers, especially beers like uh, Imperial Stouts, it does create that kind of creamy perception. And it's definitely doing it with this. So it's making it kind of like a like a very vanilla-y kind of like chocolate mousse, obviously with bourbon added to it. But uh, it's very tasty. It's very decadent. It's very dessert-like. Mm. That beer's really nice. And that raisin note, it's still there, but it's way less... Uh, able to be perceived as I sip more of it. And that vanilla just keeps growing. It's very good. Mm. This is a really nice beer. I really dig this. All right, so let's lead, read the back of it. I don't want to forget that. Buckle up. It's a vanilla bean heist. Our brewers headed around the globe to find the world's most delectable vanilla beans. This big, bad bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout was generously treated with vanilla planifolia from... Madagascar, Mexico, Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, Sri Lanka, Tanzania, and Uganda, along with vanilla Tahitensis, so I guess those are the two different types, from the Cook Islands, Ecuador, Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, and Tahiti. So it's got all these different types of vanilla, which, if I can just count it out real quick, one, two, three... Yeah, 12. So it's got 12 different types of vanilla, or 12 different vanillas, whether it's where they come from or the specific type. So 12 different, 12, that's a lot. Uh, and there's, I, I remember reading about this beer and them saying that uh, they generously dosed it with all these vanilla beans. Um, well, obviously the vanilla really comes through because that's meant to be the star of the beer. And like I said, it's very tasty. This is very much a nice beer that you have a really nice, fulfilling meal, and then you just plop down on the couch, pour yourself some of this, and just sip it as your dessert until you're ready to go to bed. Uh, great way to end the night with this one. So, man, that was really good. It might be really hard to top in this episode, but there are two more beers, so let's go ahead and get to beer number three. And for this one, we're going with something sour because, you know, I got to inject a little bit of sourness in with these other barrel-aged ones. And just know that the fourth one will be just a regular barrel-aged one as well. So this will be the only sour one. But this one's interesting. And one of the other great things about it is much lower ABV. Uh, that's one of the things I tend to like a lot about uh, every now and then straying and doing the sour beers from the brewery. Because their regular barrel-aged beers are usually <clears throat> pretty high. It's pretty high as far as ABV goes, and their sours are typically a lot lower. Now, this one is not even four months in the barrel at the, or in the barrel, four months in the bottle at this point. Uh, so this one's pretty new, pretty fresh, 
and it's called Manky Panky. Uh, it's a gin and fernet barrel-aged tart saison ale with Syrah grapes, raspberries, and blood orange, and it is 6.5% alcohol. Now, um, I needed to look up what fernet was because I had no clue. Obviously, I know what gin is, and I've had some beers with, that are gin barrel-aged that have been really good, but I was like, what is fernet? So let me tell everyone what I found out when I Googled fernet. Now, I did have it come up. Uh, I do recognize it from, I've been watching a bunch of old uh, Italian uh, subgenre horror films called giallo films to, from like the 60s, 70s, 80s. And uh, in one of them, someone ordered a fernet. So what it seemed like is it was being used as like a digestif. You know, basically like a, a alcoholic beverage that you drink to kind of help you digest after a meal. So I looked up Fernet, and it says that it is a um, it is a grape base. It is Italian in origin, and so it's basically like a grape spirit, but then it's done in barrels with um, usually a range of spices, and it kind of depends on what brand is doing it, so it'll kind of change what the spices are. But a lot of them end up including myrrh, rhubarb, chamomile, cardamom, aloe, and saffron. And apparently saffron is one that's most commonly used in, like, all of them. But the other stuff can kind of vary. So based off that, that could end up imparting some very interesting notes to this beer. So once again, gin and fernet barrel-aged tart saison ale with Syrah grapes, raspberries, and blood orange. Very interested in this one. And once again, 750 milliliter bottle. Here we go. Ooh, it's pouring a nice color. Let me go ahead and check this out. Ooh, I'm getting a lot of uh, fruitiness in the nose kind of popping out as I'm pouring it. Yeah, it's got like this kind of like dark reddish pinkish color to it. I mean, I'm assuming that's from the raspberries and the blood orange coming together. It looks nice. Uh, can't really see through it, but it's also not like super hazy or anything like that. A uh, decent amount of head just hanging out on the top, kind of medium-sized bubbles chilling out there. Obviously, you know, that's something that definitely happens with uh, sour beers. All right, so going to go in for a sniff. Hmm. I definitely do get a lot of citrus. I'm getting a lot of that blood orange coming through. But right after that blood orange, I'm getting a lot of raspberry character popping out. Hmm. I can't say that I for sure uh, can tell anything as far as, like, the fernet and gin barrels go. It does have a bit of a funkiness, like a Britannomyces funkiness to it. It does ha have that kind of saisonny yeast smell on there. And I can smell the Syrah grapes, but I wouldn't be able to necessarily pick them out as Syrah grapes. I would just say it has this kind of wine-type note in the nose, and that's kind of the best I can do with that. But it smells interesting. Obviously smells quite fruity. It has a nice, sharp, lemony tartness that I assume will kind of hit me really hard at first and then kind of, you know, get a little more dull as I continue to sip on it. Mm, okay, I'm going to go in. Mm. Actually, the initial sip is less tart, less sour than I was assuming it would be. It kind of 
and I'm assuming this is going to be from the gin and fernet barrels, it kind of leads with like a soft kind of tannic quality that, that seems like it's from a barrel, like from the wood from a barrel. So that is interesting. I definitely get the blood orange and the raspberries. Where the blood orange and raspberries were really strong on the nose, they're also kind of the strongest flavor-wise. Hmm. Hmm. It's got a nice fruitiness to it, but it's also really light and kind of easy and refreshing at the same time. This is tasting really good. I'm uh, definitely getting some phlegm buildup going on, feeling some tartness around the edges of my tongue, but it's nothing crazy. It's pretty manageable. I think Rebecca could end up being fine with this one, even though she's not typically huge in the sour beers. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good beer. And as I continue to sip it, I am getting that wine quality that I said I was getting on the nose coming through in the flavor. And it's mainly at the end of each of my sips. Uh, once again, just like with the aroma, I couldn't pick out like Syrah grape, but it's just like a wine type quality to it is all. But mm, nice, fruity, light, refreshing, tasty. It's got a bit of funkiness to it. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, I enjoy it. Good beer. All right, so let's go ahead. Oh, and when I just sniffed it, for some reason after I just drank some, I sniffed it again. Smell a little bit of an apple coming through. It's not in the flavor, but it's just kind of this note of apple that popped out. So what do they have on the back here that they say about it? Intrigued by the flavor supernova of the Manky Panky cocktail. I didn't know that was a thing. We wanted to try our hand at mixing it up Teru style. The addition of Syrah grapes creates a uniquely Teru experience with influence from the wine world. Treated with blood orange and raspberries, bringing the herbal and earthy tones to life with a burst of sweet citrus. This Manky Panky packs plenty of flavor. Serve neat, not shaken or stirred. <laughs> and there is lactic acid in it they have on the label. So just letting people know. But anyway, yeah, this is a, a good sour, and I will be able to report back to you since I'm doing these one at a time on how it continues to warm up. I think that the fruit's going to start coming through even more, probably that raspberry. I think I'll be able to, as it warms up, get more of the gin character in there probably. Maybe the Fernet. I don't know, but we'll see. But I'll report back on that. But for now, we're going to jump into beer number four. Although, real quick, I can confirm after finishing off that Manky Panky off podcast that, uh, yes, the gin barrel did start to come through a little bit more. It's still not super, super present, but uh, still pretty good. And I think the Syrah grapes ended up coming through a bit more as well. Now, anyway, this fourth and final beer I am most excited for because I believe this is kind of supposed to be a take on one of my favorite candy items, especially when it comes to Halloween time. Uh, which, you know, right now it's not that far off. Now, this this particular beer, also in a 750-milliliter bottle, uh, has only been in the bottle for about two months at this point, maybe a little bit less. And this is their Sorry Not Sorry, and it is a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with peanuts, salt, cocoa powder, and cacao nibs, and it's 17.1% alcohol. So, based off that description, you could probably figure out Oh, this is supposed to be kind of their boozy representation of a peanut butter cup. And yes, who doesn't love a peanut butter cup? So if we can get a bourbon barrel-aged peanut butter cup out of this, going to be pretty happy, to be honest. 
ooh, it's looking pretty thick as it's coming out, which I would, you know, assume. Uh, the nose is going to be one of the biggest tests, I think. So let's see. I mean, nothing really to report on the coloration of it because, you know, it's an Imperial style. What are you going to get? All right, swirling it up. Yep, real decent stickage to the sides, real legs there because of the high ABV. Smelling. Yeah, definitely, definitely getting the peanut. It's not like a peanut butter because it's not like sweet. It is more of like a raw kind of like peanut smell. Oh, that's good. And on, actually now, now that I'm smelling it more, it is starting to come off a little more peen, peanut buttery, which I'm down with. There is a good amount of chocolate coming off this, and I really am smelling the bourbon as well. I'm also getting, like, the nice caramelly note that comes with the bourbon, and a little bit of a woody character in there. Uh, definitely a decent amount of bourbon able to be perceived on this, which is interesting because a lot of the times people, when they go for a beer like this one, they're probably looking for it to be so much, you know, chocolate and peanut butter and no bourbon. But there's very present bourbon on this, and it smells really nice. Mm. Yeah, chocolatey, peanutty, peanut buttery, very chocolatey and peanut buttery. And uh, yeah, very nice bourbon with a, a bit of an astringency on the nose. It smells good. If, if it translates from the aroma to the flavor, this is going to be really good. Here we go. Ooh. Ooh. So the first thing that hits me is like this chocolate milk type flavor. Like the chocolate is very thick and it smacks you with a sweetness like it is chocolate milk. The other thing is it's got that viscosity as well along with the creaminess. So it really is very chocolate milky. Then I am getting that peanut butteriness on the end of the sip, but it's so much chocolate up front. Let me try another sip. It is good. It's very sweet, though. So, there, it's interesting because I do like it, but it's also a little bit too sweet for what I would really want. The peanut... Mm, let me calm down. and Yeah. So, I think there should be more peanut in it, to be honest. I would like more of the peanut buttery perception. Although I do believe as it continues to warm up, you're probably going to get more of that. And the chocolate sweetness will kind of be brought down a little bit from it. But there's a lot of sweetness on this beer. This is very much a decadent, sweet dessert beer. Uh, it's a little more than I want, to be honest. Uh, I don't want it to be this sweet. I'd like that to be taken down some. But it's very chocolatey. You have that peanut butteriness to it. There is a bourbon there, but I think that a lot of the bourbon flavor is being stamped out by that chocolatiness and the sweetness going along with that chocolatiness. So I would kind of like more of the bourbon to shine through and obviously a lot more of the peanut butteriness to shine through. But that said, it is pretty good. I do enjoy it. Now, um, I guess that means I have to rank these beers. Now, I had a preconceived notion of where I was going to end up putting these most likely, but after actually tasting the Sorry Not Sorry, it's going to be different than what I was expecting. So here we go. My number four is the Manky Panky. That's the Gin and Fernet Barrel Aged Tart Saison Ale with Syrah Grapes, Raspberries, and Blood Orange. My number three is actually going to be the Sorry Not Sorry. 
Still good. Bourbon barrel aged imperial stout with peanuts, salt, co cocoa powder, and cacao nibs. And I do realize I need to read the back of that, which I will, but I got to finish this off. Number two, I'm putting the Vanilla Villain. That's the bourbon barrel aged imperial stout with vanilla beans, like 12 different vanilla beans. And I know that when I was trying this one, I was saying that I think I was liking it more than the Baked on the Bayou. But as I continued to drink it and remember what the Baked on the Bayou tasted like, I realized that Baked on the Bayou should definitely be number one, especially because of the pecan perception that kept kind of be growing as I continued to drink it and it warmed up. And Baked on the Bayou is the bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with cacao nibs, pecans, vanilla beans, and dulce de leche. Very good beer. Um, these are all good beers to varying degrees. Now let me read the back of the Sorry Not Sorry. The theme of this hoarder's exclusive is monster decadence. Well, I mean, they really did that with the chocolatiness. A big, villainous, bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout sets the stage for a treatment of unapologetic proportions, including peanuts, salt, and a variety of decadent chocolate. Full-bodied, chewy, they, yeah, it is, and delectable, this stout delivers a criminal amount of peanut butter cup character. Chalk this one up on the stout wrap sheet. We're not sorry. Okay. So, I don't think it's hitting with nearly as much of that peanut butter that they wanted it to. Now, like I said, I, I do expect that that's going to come out a little bit more as it continues to warm up. But still, I think they should have gone harder on the peanut butteriness and, and or a little bit less on the chocolate. There's just so much chocolate and it's so sweet that it kind of dominates a lot of this beer, unfortunately. But it is still good. If you like a nice chocolatey beer, like this is it. And it is decadent, like they said. So anyway, uh, unfortunately, I don't think any, I, I mean, I know, I'm not going to have any of these beers uh, cracking the top 10 for these Brewery Society beers episodes. So I will read you the all-time 10 best at the moment. Number 10, Chocolate Rain from 2015. Uh, this was consumed with four years in the bottle. Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout with Cacao Nibs and Vanilla Beans. Number 9, Chocolate Rain spelled R-E-I-G-N. That's the Double Barrel Imperial Stout with Cacao Nibs and Vanilla Beans. Number 8, Sweet Magnolia's Black Tuesday. That's Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels with bananas, Madagascar vanilla beans, and Nilla wafers. Number seven is Cherry Chocolate Rain. Imperial Stout aged in rye whiskey barrels with cacao nibs, vanilla beans, and tart cherries. Number six, Samoa Black Tuesday. Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels with toasted coconut, cacao nibs, vanilla, maple syrup, and graham cracker. Number five, Island Time, a sweet stout with Hawaiian sea salt and lactose with marshmallow, toasted coconut, and natural vanilla flavor. Number four, Love at Midnight Black Tuesday, imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with pineapple, coconut, and vanilla beans. Number three, American Anthem, ale aged in bourbon barrels with peach, apricot, cinnamon, and vanilla. Number two, Pistachio Vanilla Black Tuesday, which is Imperial Stout Agent in Bourbon Barrels with Pistachio and Vanilla Beans. And number one, love it, love it, love it, Spicy Island Black Tuesday, an Imperial Stout Agent in Bourbon Barrels with Pineapple and Habanero Peppers. So there you have it. Uh, we'll have to see where we're going next. I already have my first beer picked out for the next Society episode. Actually, I have, I have two of them. Potentially three of them already picked out at this point, but 
it should be interesting. It should be an interesting range for that one. This one, you know, with the Baked on the Bayou, Vanilla Villain, and Sorry Not Sorry, kind of samesies. You know, they're not exactly the same, but they're all kind of in the same vein. So, obviously, I had to throw the Manky Panky in there. But, anyway, thank you, everyone, for checking this out. Please do us a favor of, you know, telling people about the podcast, rating and reviewing it, checking out Instagram, Brutal Battle Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can email us, brutalbattlepodcast at gmail.com, and all that jazz. But, anyway, thanks for checking this out, and until next time. Keep it brutal.